You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Four-man rush. Fields has time. Launches downfield. It's a lobby. He's got it. And the Buckeyes stretch the lead again. 56 yards. Wow. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. And Ranji with you here on BetQL Daily. The draft just two days away. We'll get some more fun nuggets from all the press conferences. Uh, the most meaningless press conferences in the NFL of the entire season going on. I know uh, Ryan Pace is speaking with the Bears media right now. Uh, Ranji. <laughs> Did you see how he started his press conference? Uh, he said, no. He said he apologizes in advance for any questions he can't answer. Um just... Which the I man know, never answers a question anyways. He, he, but didn't, I mean get it. It. he didn't mean it the yeah. way he said it, but uh, you know how I took it. I'm glad we got that Ohio State highlight coming back because I just saw Chris Sims. I'm assuming this is his final mock draft. It was just posted. Where do you think he has Justin Fields going? Third. Lower. Nine. Lower. Thirteen. Lower. Come on. <laughs> 32 to Tampa Come Bay. On, Chris. <laughs> what if Chris Sims is Man. right? Maybe Man. he's right. Maybe he knows. Shanahan something. must really hate Justin Fields. Dude. Okay. Uh, this is BetQL Daily at BetQL Daily on Twitter. Let's bring in our friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric. He co-hosts the PFF Forecast podcast, one of my favorites, uh, listening yesterday with uh, guest Evan Silva. That was a terrific listen. Another friend of the program. Eric, did you copy Chris Sims? You're going with Justin Fields, 32 overall to Tampa? <laughs> Oh my, I wish I would have had, like, you know how in a, in a blackjack hand you can, like, get insurance when the dealer shows an ace. It's like I, for my for my, thir- my Justin Fields at three prop, I wish I would have had one, you know, insurance in case he goes in the second round or something. But, man, uh, no, I don't. And I, I you know, I, it's been a whirlwind of gaslighting and, uh, you know, and that, that I generally love this process. I generally really like, um, you know, sort of seeing where the market's going to be on a lot of players and so on and so forth. But man, has the last few days been, been, uh, you know, uh, disheartening, uh, to say the least. Yeah, it, it, it has been a lot. Uh, well, it, it, everyone says it starts at three. We'll, we'll find out. Maybe, maybe something will break. It doesn't seem like it will be until we get to Thursday, but, uh, the consensus is, and the odds tell us that we know what's happening at one and two. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, New York Jets, Zach Wilson, of course. We've been talking about it for weeks, as have you guys over there at Pro Football Focus. After one, two, 
what are you most confident in? Is is there a prop? I'll give you the board. It could be a player over under. It could be the number of players to go in the first round at a given position. Uh, the first, uh, the, the uh, position drafted first by a particular team. What do you love at this point? Um, I, you know, one that I really do like, and I think that the prices are maybe a little too steep now. Um, but I do like the Pitts going to Atlanta at four. Uh, I think when you look at sort of the, the the situation, you're looking at them possibly unloading a talented uh, wide receiver in Julio Jones. You look at the haul that San Francisco got for the third pick. There's almost no way they're going to get that for the fourth pick, even if it's Justin Fields. And then they probably don't take a quarterback because of the way that Matt Ryan's contract is structured. There's almost no way that that makes any sense for them. So I do think that they go pits at four. Um, to me, I think that that's one that's being underrated as far as you know how likely it is to happen. My second favorite one um, is over 18 and a half offensive players. I know that number has been all over the place. I think you can get it almost for even money um, on uh, on DraftKings at least. Let me look here. Yeah, it's, it's plus 101 on DraftKings. It's, it's higher priced than other places. Um, you know, I think if it's not six and a half linemen, it's going to be one and a half running backs or two tight ends or six quarterbacks. Like, I think there's going to be, I think all of the surprises are going to end up being offensive players, which only benefits that prop. Well, going back to that number three pick, do you think there's there's any value? Well, let's let, let me ask the, the question this way. Do we have any more clarity, really? Or are things more confusing today about number three than they were two days ago? Well, I can, I can tell you this. So we were on a, a Periscope stream talking about who we liked as the defensive lineman to be the first taken. And we talked, and I said Christian Barmore at 7-1 to one is a good play. And I, I literally saw a, 10 seconds later it changed on DraftKings to 400. And we had Evan Silva on our show, and he said, you know, Jalen Phillips deserves to be thought about it. And now Jalen Phillips is the favorite to be the first defensive lineman taken. Like, these markets are not taking humongous amounts of, like, uh, humongous. Like, it's not an NFL side or total where somebody's betting, you know, six figures, you know, on a side or total. You're talking about hundreds of dollars being bet here. And they, in my opinion, they move on just, you know, information and I think the information out of San Francisco is is too unreliable to to lay minus whatever you're going to lay for for Mac Jones. It's minus 400 on DraftKings. Um, I see it at minus 210 uh, on Bet Online. That you know, FanDuel I think is minus 250. There's no way I would lay the favorite in that situation, even if I do think it is Mac Jones. Which, if I had to bet, I you know, at even money for everything, I would bet Mac Jones. But I think the value is in Trey Lance at plus 250, Justin Fields at 700. Um, and, you know, you just got to be willing to lose that. Uh, you got to be willing to pay to see the 49ers make a terrible decision. Is this the kind of thing where, and I, I know Joe started this this interview here, this segment, uh, talking about Chris Sims having Fields all the way down at, at was it 32, Joe's? 32. That what yes, said? last pick in the first round. So Tampa Bay is going to use that a quarterback so they get that extra year. Yeah, of course. Okay, so so uh, I don't see how that's going to happen, but if he doesn't go three, 
and he doesn't go like nine or whatever it is. I, I don't know if Denver might have real interest in him. Where Where is the most likely spot for him? Because th- this seems to be the guy more than anybody else that there's mo- that there is more uncertainty compared to what his talent level is, if that makes sense. I feel like there should be more certainty in him, but it seems like there's a lot less than there should be at this moment. Yeah, I think I was former NFL lineman Jeff Schwartz who said this, and I actually really like it. I think the uncertainty should go both ways, right? Like, I think one of there's a there's a narrative here where the 49ers are not showing interest in fields so that the Jets don't take him ahead of Wilson. Let's say you have a a better, and I I think to me Fields is in the same conversation as Wilson and Lawrence. I like Wilson the most, but they're close, right? So part of so there's uncertainty in that direction, I think too. But there's an immense tail uncertainty to what you're talking about. Where if he gets by, let's say six, Miami, I think is the prime candidate to move out of six um, and, and and get somebody to go up there, whether that be Denver or New England. Um, and I think he might go to Detroit at seven. I think he might go to Carolina at eight. Carolina, when they traded for Sam Darnold, said, you know, we're going to pick up Darnold's option. They have yet to do so, which I think is signaling that they're still open to that position. Um, I don't think it gets past New England at 15. And I do think, you know, all of the, you know, talking that Michael Lombardi has done, uh, I think <laughs> is in service to Belichick, right? And, and I do think if the Patriots end up taking him, it looks bad on Lombardi that he's a bad-mouthing him all the whole time because it does look like he would just be a tool as a part of sort of the process there. Um, but no, I don't think he gets past 15. Um, but you know, anything's, anything's possible. You just, you know, the Oh five draft is, is an example where, you know, if it's a bunch of teams that aren't, they don't feel they need a quarterback and they just, it just keeps going right. Either for him or Lance. This is BetQL Daily, Joe Ostrowski and Chris Raji. Our guest, Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Uh, yesterday, we had Michael Felder on the show from Stadium, and uh, he was just talking about – we were talking about the different tiers in the first round. And once you get to the to the back end, um, the last 10 to 12 picks in the first round, how you do have this drop-off that it's it's mostly filled with players that in most drafts would be second-round picks – one, do you agree with that? And two, if that is the case, can you see the back end of the first round just being teams chasing uh, their biggest need if it, if you're not in a position to truly get standout best players available? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to teams specifically who feel this way and who are more willing to give up. You know, I mean, we already saw it here. Kansas City gave up a first-round pick for a veteran player. Um, I think, you know, when uh, before a tackle in a draft where there are theoretically about six or seven tackles that are going to go in round one, that I think shows you, I think, implicitly at least how teams like Kansas City view the back half of the first round. I, I think that that's perfect. And, and what that could lead to then, let's say you're Chicago Bears, Joe, or, mm-hmm. you know, the Washington football team, like, don't, like, would you rather. So let's say the the opportunity cost is okay. I give up pick nineteen or twenty if I'm one of those two teams, and I give up let's say a third, a second and third rounder in this draft, which would be a third or fourth. Like it changes the calculus when you're thinking about moving up to let's say nine and getting Fields or or six to get you know Lance or something like that. Like I do think it changes. I do think we might see you know some of the teams that are sharper that like value you know 
Uh, Baltimore is an example that they gave up a veteran player who's played well in this league for another bite at the apple at 31. Like I think, you know, Buffalo's like that. Cleveland's like that. Now those teams are already in that part of the draft, which means they might just stay put and take a lottery ticket. But, you know, let's say New England, New England's always been a team that's traded back. Um, if they don't get a crack at one of the top five quarterbacks, I could see pick 15 being a pick where they just sort of ship it out uh, and move on to next year, especially in a pandemic season where our evaluations of these players are very incomplete. How do you project a draft when you've got so many? Well, uh, there just aren't as many defensive players as as usual that that people are interested in. And they've, they've talked about this being one of the weakest defensive drafts that we have seen in a very long time. So, um, well, I, I guess I'll ask it this way. What is the first defensive player taken? And is that a foregone conclusion? I don't think it's foregone. I, you know, Parsons was the favorite like a month ago at minus 134. And then obviously Sertan has overtaken him. Horn's, uh, you know, I think in contention. Horn went from having a bigger, a better price to being the first corner taken than he currently has to being the first defensive defensive player taken. So he's risen up boards. Um, it's rough. I, I, cause I think here's the thing, like the best conference in college football had horrendous defense last year uh, in the sec. So I think that's one of the reasons why people are like, Oh my, you know, there, there aren't a lot of great defenders because like the biggest factory for them produced awful performances last year. And, and, you know, and it trickles down. So, and defensive also defensive performance is less stable. So generally speaking, you want to have more of a sample size to draw a conclusion. Like, you know, for wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, the sample doesn't have to be quite as big because offense is more stable year to year. Um, but for defenders, like Caleb Farley was the best corner in college football. We thought coming into the season, he opts out. And now he, he'll be lucky to be a top 20 pick. Um, and, and I think that that's, again, due to a lot of these uncertainties, do a lot to also the combine not being available this year pro days i think there's a lot of uncertainty around what do those numbers really mean uh, and defensive players especially on the defensive line are drafted in many cases because of their athleticism so when the athleticism data is also uncertain it just clouds it so um i don't think it's for conclusion who goes i do think it'll take until pick 10 and i wouldn't even be surprised if it, if it went all the way to 12 to philadelphia yeah Eric, i think i think even your, your draft had what just two defensive players in the top 15 yeah, yep, and we we value offense a little bit more um, than defense. You know, analytics I think would, would would generally, you know, play that out. But also, again, like this is also a draft where this is the first time in a long time where there's not an edge player who's like a top five pick. You know, there's no Chase Young in this draft. There's no Bosa in this draft. There's no Garrett. Uh, it's Clowney. Like the first edge guy might go at 18, which is like historically low. Um, for that position, and there's only one interior defensive lineman who I think people have a first-round grade on, and that's Christian Barmore. Eric, uh, you know this as a better. We haven't seen this many offerings before, and I, I love that we have so many different options, but you also need to be careful. There, there might be people out there that get uh, way out of control once we finally get around to Thursday night, and part of this is knowing what to stay away from. Uh, is, it, is there a few things to you that you want no part of, maybe an over-under on a play or something like that, where you, you just don't know what's going to happen there, so you're not – you just cross it off immediately? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's hard. Like, my biggest bets that I've made um, 
have been I have a Zach Wilson minus one sixty seven to go second. I have a Jamar Chase minus one forty nine to go to go first as a wide receiver. Those have tremendous value. <laughs> and and part of part of my thing is like, you know, this is why you don't split tens in blackjack. It's like you already have a great hand. Don't and part of my reasoning for, you know, giving taking a little bit and putting it on fields is I thought that though I think that those two I don't think they're locks, but I think that they're good bets. Um, like, I think people do that a little bit too much with things that are far from locks. So let's say you have. Yeah. Sorry, Eric, we're short on time there. Uh, good stuff there as far as the NFL draft. The conversation is going to continue with one of the most accurate mock drafters out there. His name is Scott Smith, and he will join us next. Joe Ostrowski, Chris Ranji, BetQL Audio Network.